Hi, everybody. Welcome to Second Rail. I'm John Heinz, and I am here today with a special guest. Full disclosure, he's a former student of mine from China who is in the U.S. doing distance learning at a prestigious American university in Atlanta, Georgia, Emory University. And we are going to have a conversation today about distance learning and of the intersection of his experience and the pandemic, distance learning in general. So, Edward, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Such a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm really glad you're doing this because you're in a, I think you're in probably the most unique situation of anyone I've known in my lifetime, uh, because not only do you have the experience of having come from, coming fr coming from abroad and then having a little, a dose of university experience before getting knocked into the world of the pandemic, but you're bringing a kind of a blend of experiences from education prior to, prior to any of this that I think few people of my listeners are familiar. So I want to, I want to kind of talk about both those things mm -hmm. or all those things. So maybe, maybe we can start with just, can you just give me kind of a, a potted bio and like, tell me a little bit about yourself, you know, give, give our listeners a little background, like where you're from, what's your, what your education was like so far. Sure. So I started my education in Shanghai, China. I was originally studying in what we call the local stream. Uh, then after, for high school, I went to international school studying IB and that's where I met John. And after that, I've, um, come to America, to come to Emory to study for, right now it's chemistry and psychology. I'm not exactly sure if I'm going to stick with chemistry, but for now, that's that. Right now, I am a second year, and um, I've been studying in this online learning situation for, let's say, um, if we are not counting summer, it's about four months. <laughs> well, you didn't do anything over the summer, did you? I was not learning, but I was trying to engage with my research project. Right, 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 right. So you're doing stuff on your own. Mm -hmm. So it was. So it was. So that would be since when? When did you start online? Um. So it was the, the spring break. Oh, spring break is when, yeah. Okay. So right, right, right. I was originally planning to go to London, but um, just around like a week before spring break. Um, yep. The pandemic in Italy was really horrible, and that's when I decided to cancel my spring break plan. Um, but like right before spring break, we were having rumors that Emory is going to close down, close down, and and it happened. So we were. Nervous. Where were you living? So you were. Mm -hmm. So you got a. You got basically what you got. How much you got? How much campus experience total did you get? I had around. Um. A full semester and plus two months. Okay, that's about so six semester, months. So in like total. three quarters of a year, almost. Mm -hmm. Not quite, but maybe. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right, uh, close to that. Um, and you were living in a? Did you have like a? Re, were you re, apartment? I was in one hall? of the residence hall. Okay, got it. So you got a taste of campus life, and then you got thrust into the online world. What uh, did you? You said that they kind of gave you some notice they were probably going to close. Did you get your stuff out, or is like your stuff yeah. sitting in some dorms it, and and left there? I was glad that we um, were actually like having spring break. So uh, I was supposed to travel, but I canceled my plan. So I didn't really have too much to worry about. And mm -hmm. after they noticed us, I think they gave us a week. So extended, they extended the spring break and I was uh -huh. able to pack my stuff. Um, I mainly store most of the stuff in the storage unit and I was sharing it with my roommate. Um, my roommate is also international and he's right now in... Moldova, one of the Eastern Europe countries. So we were kind of like working around it and he, he bought his ticket like four days before his plan. And he was like super horrified because America, you, the U.S. government is imposing the travel plan to Europe. So right. he has his So he had to get out before they shut it down. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, that was, that was the U.S. That was Europe that was imposing the ban against against Americans going to Europe, right? Um, he's, he's Moldovan. That's his that's yeah, his exactly. passport. So, so he could go home anytime he wanted. Um, the question was whether he'd get back to the U.S., right? Not really. So I think at that oh, okay. point, uh, the U.S. also imposed a travel plan. Ben, I think it was on like like the main, like what we call development of Schengen. But um, uh -huh. he was supposed to transfer at Turkey and... That was uh, like his fear. Like if they're going to ban him, would he get stuck there or mm -hmm. get shut away? I see, get shut down. 
Uh, right. Because Moldova is not part of the Schengen no. Treaty in Europe. That's right. Okay. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So he, so he, he might have been stuck. So, but he did get there. He did. And he's ha- living battle. a happy life in his home. And your stuff is in storage in Atlanta as we speak. Right. <laughs> All right. So you, so wait, so during your spring break is when you stayed on campus during spring break and that's when you found out you had to leave? Yeah. Okay. And then they, so you packed up everything, you got out. Where did you go? Well, as soon as I, I learned the knowledge that we are not going to be able to stay on campus, I was very lucky enough to contact my aunt who lives in Virginia. And uh, she and her husband were kind enough to drove from Virginia to Atlanta. It was oh, like wow, a 10 hour to get you. Right, right. So I was wow. really lucky and they were able to get me to their house. And that point, my grandpa grandma are also in here. So we were kind of, kind of having a family situation going on right now got it and then the shut and then that's basically when the shutdown happened uh-huh. the kind of harder shutdown happened. Mm-hmm. okay and since then uh so after spring break things just immediately started online memory or was there like a delay right so they were kind of giving the professors extra one week to prepare some kind of online learning program mm-hmm. um but we basically just like transfer everything online whether it's synchronous meetings on zooms or it is professors posting videos online and so everything just went on online and i don't think any one of my class has been canceled or anything i haven't heard of any class on campus that's been canceled and the schedule in terms of when the courses meet and things have been consistent with what would happen if you were on campus? Um, so they definitely made some changes, especially because a lot of international students decided to leave the U.S. right away. So right. for like the larger lecture courses, the, like the main major format would be professors uploading weekly videos. And um, in some classes, professors think like collaboration is very important so you have some group quizzes with your uh, other colleagues but students but mainly it's it depends on class size and depends on preference of professors the professors and i imagine some of the professors are much were already were using online resources right, more right. than others right so the um okay so you so you get it's after spring break you've kind of gotten started uh you're hitting the ground running you know, give how were uh, you know what were your first impressions? What what did what's what's the first things you remember noticing about what it was uh, how it was different or what it was going to be like? The the biggest impact on me is I think it's motivation. So I personally consider myself as a very um, um, social in the way that I take interaction with people as kind of like a feedback or positive feedback and going to online i it really bring a break like influences my um motivation to learn and um because the everything is online and you don't see anyone it's it's kind of hard to go to compare with the level of like engagement before the online learning so on campus, I assume you just like, you might have study groups that meet in like, you know, different places to sit we do. together and go over yeah. things, or you might socialize over a coffee or something. I don't know. And then, and you just have these informal kind of networks, even in the residence hall, probably right, that, right. that, that occur. Did, uh, and is, are you, I mean, is that what you're talking about? Is like the absence of that? Or is it that there was, uh, there was something that took its place that was even more difficult, made it even more difficult to socialize? Um, I think it's, um, it's, um, not only about students, student interaction, but also students interaction uh-huh. with instructors. Uh-huh. So I, I really like my, for example, chemistry professor and, um, she is a really good instructor and she knows how to, um, use, uh, educational interventions to help students learn, but mm-hmm. After we transfer to online, I, it feels like I'm just like missing like the passion of the class. It's it's really different, and it's just from the are, are you are you are you missing mostly the the actual class time or the kind of office hours and informal situations where you'd come across her? Um, both. I would say both. The office hours is definitely like a huge part of my 
um, weekly schedule and going. We're still obviously having virtual office hours, but it's, it's kind of different. You don't see like four or five students sitting in the office. You only see some screens, some faces. I, I think it's it's fortunate enough that we still have Zoom and we were able yeah. to see other students, but yeah. it's a different experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's no question that, that and that's I'm. I, I mean, I know everyone is probably everyone is experiencing this to some extent, right? There's this formality that comes from mm-hmm. the intervention of having the technology mediate between our communications over distance. That probably are that just it just. It's 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 it makes it seem more formal, even if it's just because you have to have a computer right. on and you have right. to be in a place where you can be talking and hear, and it seems more formal than just a kind of a face to face, more more casual um, meeting. But I I I'm also I guess I'm wondering if there's if, if the um. I mean, are, are, I guess that professor's not, are any of the professors able to kind of, I don't know, do something that's, that, that, that brings it, that makes it more valuable, that makes that, that makes the, the, the distance uh, experience work at least as well as, or is it, are it, in every situation, are they just not working very well? Um, I think what you mentioned is what kind of happened this semester. So over the summer, the professors are, have more time to take trainings and, learned how design or modify their courses. But in the spring, it was really about, because there's not much time for them and like we're not having too long semester left. So it was really about like, how we just have to find a way to deliver the course and deliver the information, the knowledge. And after we get over this semester, we can kind of like make this work for the fall. Well, so a lot of higher education and even K-12 education in the U.S. for, for I mean, you know, in the 25 years I've been in education, they have been trying since really the beginning of the, you know, the digital revolution, they've been mm-hmm. trying to transfer more on, more learning or to, to learning management systems. Just, mm-hmm. you know, they've been trying to get teachers and professors to, um, you know, use the resources that are available digitally more and it's been, you know, it's been checkered success for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So, so it is, it was, it was always kind of obvious to me when this happened that this was, you know, that it was kind of a, a fool's errand to suggest that suddenly these professors and teachers were going to be able to, you know, literally transform what they do to online in a month when they couldn't do it over 20 years. So mm-hmm. I kind of, yeah. I kind of anticipated it would be a little bit of a challenge uh, that, and that, that makes sense. But, you know, I mean, I, and, and I know that's, it's, it's, you know, against all odds, some of them actually have been successful at really doing some amazing stuff online. Mm -hmm. That's just like that, that that's inspiring and, and invigorating and new, but uh, it kind of makes sense to me that it'd be hard for them. But you know, this raises for me a question for you. Like, so in your experience prior to Emory, um, what was your experience or what was your, um, what, what was your exposure to kind of online or distance learning? Well, not much. I I don't think online learning is a huge part of my learning experience. Um, I mean, literally, was nothing. I mean, I recall our experience. You know, at the, at the school in Shanghai, was that there was very, very little. I mean, there was like you know the yeah. occasional thing posted on something like you know a system like ManageBack or some system, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. online learning system. But is that that was kind of? But I imagine that stu- you as a student were using technology a lot, right? Right. Um, so I obviously have some exposure to, for example, Coursera, those. Um, like websites or resources, but I never, um, I never like rigorously took any courses on right. in online formats. Right. So it was always for it was always for additional uh, right for enhancement right. or for additional background, mm-hmm. but it was never the core of the course. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that. So I imagine that some of your, do, do, do you notice any difference with your kind of, I don't know, other counterparts from the U.S. or from Europe or anywhere else in Asia that you've seen at Emory? Are you noticing any any difference in background and experience in that way that's kind of led them to either teach you something or see something different than, you, than you'd than you kind of been exposed to prior to this? 
Um, so speaking from my perspective, at least, um, I kind of I've been I have some contact in with other students, and I don't think that online learning has been a major player for this. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and that's really funny. So after the after we locked on and learned a transfer to online learning, I've also, especially this summer, I've trying to study some coding on Coursera. I'm being like searching those resources, and what I experience is that our experience at Emory it's really similar. Like the structure and yep. the system, it's really nearly identical. I would say, um, but. No, we never had those experiences before the lockdown. Even though it's probably there. So any, so any, so uh, so any online experience at its core is going to be fundamentally the same, which is going to be something like watching lectures, a right. period of watching lectures, a period of kind of uploading things, mm-hmm. downloading things, engaging in discussion groups, maybe being at a synchronous conversation where you jump in once in a while. But that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. It's the same experience. It's, I mean, okay. So, well, so talk about that. You've been doing it for a while now. At its core, are you? At its core, what's really? What are you liking? And what are you not liking? Um, what I like is, I would say, it allows students at different locations to tailor their learning schedules. Um, I, mm-hmm. I. I have lots of friends who went back to China after the lockdown and yeah. they were, even though most classes still have synchronous sessions, but they have the freedom to choose those arranged like suit that's suitable for the time zone in China. But there are also some like 400 people lecturers and most of the content is going to be asynchronous. So obviously that allows them to take the course at a different pace comparing to students in the U S um, one of the other other advantage I would say is um, you don't really have those. I, it feels like the barrier between resources and students are less prominent um, because that. usually, um, let's I would say students have more attention towards those resources resources that are previously um in person for example some um let's say some seminar hosted by the career center mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. usually on campus they happen as like five or six mm-hmm. people small groups but once everyone transferred to online and people just get used to that oh like it's not different from anything else and they don't have they're like willing to try it because it's similar to their like classes and everything just takes takes place on zoom so there i feel like more students has been like exposed to those resources that are normally not so popular let's say yeah so talk about the the things you do things you're not liking things you're that are just definitely not not as good or definitely not working well for me my learning efficiency has decreased my um Hmm. Uh, it's kind of like the difference between listening to MP3 and listening to a concert. Um, uh, you know, like the, like the, like the core is the same, but the form, the format that you, de- it, the content is delivered really matters. Um, you still get the, uh, let's say, it, just using metaphor or analogy yeah. as listening to uh, MP3. Um, you still have the same melody, you still have the same knowledge, you still have the same technique, but um, you're not immersed in that environment. And I, my hypothesis is that because you are not experiencing that specific environment, I don't think our uh, proficiency to learn is at the same level. So is it is is it a is it a is it nothing more than a um, you know kind of a, a a feeling that you get from being with other pe- around other people or is it is it something more uh, you know qualitative than that is it is something more solid or something more material content based um, 
for me personally, I I I didn't uh, see any like qualitative like in terms of scores or grades, and right. that to some extent I would say is because some instructors has like um, didn't provide as like harsh examinations as compared before. So uh, going back to my organic chemistry class, our professor is known in the campus being like um, super rigorous, but he's super knowledge, uh, knowledgeable. So like he's pretty popular, but his exams, usually the last question is about something we'd never learned and it can be out of some uh, scientific journal or even Nobel Prize. And, but I've just finished my midterm, my first midterm, but there's nothing like that. And comparing yeah. to the past papers, I don't think our professor is trying to assess us on the same level. Why do you think they're doing that? Well, I, I think they also have the concern that students may not have as solid understandings compared to in-person studies. Um, so I've... Um, after the midterm, our in instructor still gave us our median score, and um, the median was around like 67. So even though it's not as hard, I think the median is still very low compared to like the passing years. So um, I, I don't think every student is achieving as well as comparing to when they're on campus. And that, and and you would attribute that to whatever the dynamic is that comes right, from being right. on campus, right? Not from, um, not from, like a I don't know some change in the content or some change in no. the testing. No, um, the contents are mainly the same, and I would imagine that most instructors are gonna talk about the same thing using even like same PowerPoint at some stages the contents is exactly the same. Hmm. So what, so for the, you said some classes were switching to some professors and classes were switching to more videos and kind of asynchronous mm -hmm. classes. And some were sticking to the kind of synchronous schedule and doing lectures or whatever mm -hmm. it is face to face. Um, I, I, I assume that since you didn't have a lot of uh, in the past, didn't have a lot of experience with, you know, learning management systems and, 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 and uh, digital distance coursework that, you're getting a lot of videos now, more videos now than you used to get. Are right. you, are you, uh, what do you like about them? What do you not like about them? How, how do you, how do you, how do you feel about the, the use of, um, you know, well, a, a, a lecture on video versus a lecture live? Um, Streaming, but live. So comparing to the, um, let's say streaming. So the, Asynchronous videos tend to be more packed with knowledge. They tend to be shorter mm. as you, you don't have those interactions between professor and students. And especially because it's recording, it's really easy for professors to spot like, um, maybe see saying like too redundant and they don't really see the feedback students. So it's yep. more like, um, like it, to some extent, I would compare it even to like infographics videos. You can find maybe on YouTube. Yeah, it, yeah. The the knowledge is definitely denser, but in the yeah. synchronous streaming classes, um, the professors can still see students' faces and they can still ask questions, and yeah. so it's comparing to the asynchronous videos, it's less feeding. But like professors are definitely still emphasizing on interaction with students, even though it's online. Wait, so which do you like more? Um, it depends on courses. Um, some okay. classes, if uh, the knowledge is, if it requires more applications, for example, um, like involves calculations, solving questions, I think synchronous is more, more effective. But for other courses where it's a lot of memorization, I think asynchronous videos won't be like too much behind are you the 
I mean, the way you described it, it makes me it makes me think I would far prefer the video that's dense with accurate information. I could see where if I'm a professor, I'd be very concerned mm-hmm. about putting out a video with inaccurate information. So I'd probably edit it like crazy, and I'd probably mm-hmm. just generally be right. nervous right. about doing it badly. So right. so I'm like, oh, I'm publishing this. I'm not just talking to students, you know, and maybe getting it wrong once in a while. So I can feel like the stakes are higher, so mm-hmm. they're going to be more careful. But it seems to me, if I were a student, I would like the more accurate video that I can watch well, and maybe even though it's dense rewatch over and over again and drill down on parts that mm-hmm. I might be unclear on is that is that part of this or is it is it is um, the, it sounded to me like you were saying mm-hmm. the dense was actually less helpful in some ways right so first of all most of our lectures are still recorded so you can still can go back and that's been really helpful um especially like the class one of my psychology class which the professor is I think 70 something, 80 something. And uh-huh. his style is writing, writing notes on paper and with, right. he never used PowerPoint. So it's really right. helpful to go back. <laughs> um, but I think the main distinctions between the synchronous and asynchronous is the attitude of students. So if you are really just watching some videos, sure, you might have more accurate knowledge in the shorter period of time, it, but you're kind of just treating it as a task. You don't really feel like I want to excel myself. Yeah. Like the level of engagement is just different. Yeah. Are, do you think that the professors are getting anything from the synchronous conversations that are being recorded that's like that is allowing them to be more communicative in a more kind of healthy or effective way? Or is that, well, is that, uh, are, are, are you not really noticing anything, I don't know, more human and kind of casual about the, right. about the synchronous? There's definitely more casual conversations in the synchronous classes. And How often we, do you go back and watch the videos of the well, synchronous ones? I'm curious. It still depends ever. on like which class, but for like the information heavy ones, yeah. Um. I usually have to go back and like, I when I was taking notes, um, I usually mark down like the place I missed, and yeah. then I can go back to video and check. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So, um, let me shift gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. How is I think I have to imagine one of the other major impacts of uh, of being in Virginia, far from Atlanta, and literally not probably you know. And not being able to be around students live that you're, I imagine your screen time has gone through the roof. Like, Oh, for sure. (laughs) So talk a little bit about the impact of that. Like, uh, and I, you know, I guess I'm curious both about the short term and the long term. but like, what's how, what is the impact of the, I mean, how much, how much screen time are you, are you exposed to at this point? Would you say on average on a regular day and what's the impact of it? Um, I would estimate at least, 10 hours, uh, probably more. Wow. Um, wow. Wow. I think the biggest impact is exercising, and that's not only about screen time. So on campus, we have a gorgeous campus, and our classes are, like, distributed around the campus. So between each classes, we get the chance of walking across and seeing, like, different people, and your body's moving, right? But right now, you're just clicking around links, and... For me, I've been studying in my bedroom, and I didn't really have to walk around, and my my eyes are just staring at the screen. So um, I definitely have to contribute more time for exercising. And uh, like when I first got to online learning, I definitely gained some weight. That's that's for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, there's the famous freshman, what is it called? The freshman 10, freshman 15. 20, well, freshman 50. Oh, wow. Okay. It's gone up. <laughs> so yeah. I assume that's even gotten worse with online. Um, right. And I, <laughs> I was, um, I was, it was before I came back to Virginia, I, I've been swimming and, that's obviously not an option right now. Yeah. Even if the pools are open nearby, like I don't think I would ever go there. But that's that's kind of like the other impact. So yeah. finding the right sports for you and maintain it, I think is definitely crucial. Yeah. So do you think ten hours is that do you think that's not just a short term blip as you're getting started? You think that's gonna be the norm? Oh, definitely. Um that's just like all the time, every day. And even 
on weekends, I don't really see a difference. We don't really have wow. like you don't feel the weekends. It just feels like another day, and you still have those yeah. assignments to complete. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think I, I, there was an article I read last week, and I don't know if it was the New York Times or somewhere about how you know the pandemic has killed the weekend. Right, <laughs> and, it, and it seems pretty clear that's uh, it's definitely the case. Although I was talking with a friend in New York just a couple of uh, uh, a couple of days ago, and he said, you know, socializing is back back and going in New York. People are going out and they're socially distanced, and they're but they're you know they're they they've got their masks on, but mm-hmm. they're they're going to bars and they're going to you know they're going all they're they're out and about and meeting and socializing. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping maybe I'm, I'm I maybe I'm living in a bubble, but I don't know. It's uh, yeah. I haven't seen it. It's weekends for me feel a lot like weekdays, so it's mm-hmm. funny. Yeah, it's kind of unusual. But all right, so but but talk about the long-term impact of this. Like what do you like you know speculate a little bit about what do you you know I I get that maybe physical health is going to be a long-term um mm-hmm. change. How about in terms of, you know, just w- where this you know what what does what do you think the impact will be of this kind of increased slam of extra screen time on you or on students in general, maybe at Emory or maybe in general, you know, over over the longer term? Well, first of all, I don't think online learning is going anywhere, even if we return to campus. I don't think... What do you mean? So even if we go back, like, yep. especially for the classes with 40 people and over, yep. we are st- professors are still going to probably teach online. That's what oh. I heard. And the lecture is never coming back. The big room lecture right, is never right. coming back. At least now, not why is that next semester? Well, that's. Uh, I think there's still a health concern. Uh, I don't think Emory is okay. expecting the pandemic to go away, starting from next January. And right, like right now, my guess is that we're not going to go back to campus, even if we are. It's it's probably only the seniors since they're about to graduate, mm-hmm. um, but. Even if we go back and it's still going to be screen time, like we're not going into any classrooms. And that's because people are still because because the vaccine is not going to be a true vaccine. It's going to be just a a way to kind of limit the likelihood of getting it. But it won't. There's still a risk. Right. And uh, this yeah. gets into the epidemiology of the coronavirus. Yeah, that's a, a totally bit. different. Topic. But it's pretty clear that that mm-hmm. but it's pretty clear that. It, it seems like right now, at least from my my very 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 unscientific and ill informed <laughs> understanding of viruses, it seems to me that the 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 nature of this this particular pandemic is that it's uh, it the, the coronavirus is much more of an is a much more insidious and much more wily uh, <laughs> villain <laughs> that is trying, that is going to figure its way out a way around getting through us even. And it, it's not as simple as like a polio vaccine or uh, mm-hmm. some or uh, or even a uh, even a common cold or a flu vaccine, mm-hmm. a, a flu vaccine that um, that that this was going to be around for a while. Well, so I guess that that is my that was going to be my next question. So let's let's say that there isn't an effective vaccine or let's uh-huh. say, you know, I know that in the next few weeks they're reporting that it's going to be there's the data is going to be coming out on whether all these trials that have been running on these four mm-hmm. or five or whatever the big number of competitors out there for vaccines are, are, are that they're going to have the data on, on how solid that is. And let's, right. but let's say it's, you know, it comes out that we really don't have a vaccine and this is going to go on for a very long time. And in fact, you know, universities are going to be a long, a, a, among all the other organizations that are just like, look, we just can't open. Mm-hmm. It's just the risk is too high. We're not doing that. Um, what, what do you think, you know, what, what, what are, I mean, first of all, have you, have you envisioned that? Have you yeah, considered totally. that? And what are you thinking the impact of that will be for you in terms of a per, as a person and maybe in education and even career and, and just life? Um, so if, if we're just going to keep being stuck on this, in this online learning environment, I would, mm-hmm think that going to college isn't going to be that much of a big deal. And if that's the case, I, I really see that less people trying to get into the more competitive colleges because we know that there has been like courses, online courses provided by the platform that are also taught by some instructors from the big name universities. So 
what's the difference? You don't really yeah. gain that much resources from the campus. You still have some advisors, but that's not going to make like a huge difference. And I don't think as many people are willing to pay the tuition for this. Well, if we were talking about international students, specifically those has been preparing for, let's say, a couple of years, SAT, ACT, everything like that, I think they are definitely going to still be applying for those universities. But um, it's going to be different, especially for those international freshmen this year. Their life is going to be super different from ours. They never have the taste of the college. And that's just going to be like having such an impact. I, I don't see them as like gaining a, a wonderful experience right now. Well, for me, for for me, my interpretation of the, you know, if I, if I, and I, I hesitate to do this percentage breakdown thing, mm-hmm. but I'll do it now because I, I, I do do this once in a while, which is mm-hmm. if I were to say what percentage value, all the taken, you know, a hundred percent is all the uh-huh. value that university adds, mm-hmm. what percentage of it comes from the social experience of being on campus, oh. the campus experience, and what percentage of it is the content and the you know whatever the maybe the the contacts that could occur online and things that can happen online uh in my head it's always uh, you know i i i feel like and for the average american and maybe this is and i'd like to know if, if this is true in your head too but mm-hmm. i mean the average american kid that i've ha- talked to over the years would say you know boy that is a huge part of why you go away great, to college great. it's to get away from your parents it's to learn how to do laundry <laughs> it's it's to, it's uh-huh. you know it's basic life skills that mm-hmm. quite frankly we don't really teach our children until they go off to college because they're they don't need well, they it have because to do mom it. and dad are there mm-hmm. and they're taking care of them give them housing and giving them mm-hmm. transportation and food and shelter and and you know cleaning doing their cleaning maybe even and <laughs> doing their laundry <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and they so so that 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 exp- opportunity to go away to college even though it's really unrelated to the degree that you're getting right. unrelated to the area of study you're doing and probably unrelated to the profession you go into that that's a really important part and i don't I, and i'd even say as high as you know 40 50 percent oh, i would experience. definitely rate as 50 percent or okay you more. would you'd say it's that great wow right. so that's so if it's so that is a that is an in does the, that raises interesting questions to me about if 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 50 percent of the experience of going to a top-rated college or any college is the going away and being on campus or being uh, in a different environment mm-hmm. if 50 percent of it's that universities were never really in charge of that. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's not part of an education. So I'm wondering, what does that mean if that all goes away? What is the thing that the students who have an entirely online education for memory will have lost when they're out in the, when they're, when they're out in the world? Um, I've always... Is it just fun? Well, fun is definitely a huge part. Um, just taking my personal experiences, we have wonderful, a wonderful outdoor club. And usually my weekends has been going to hiking trips. And I was even planning some kayaking, but that's definitely oh, not going to happen. Right. Um, fun is definitely a player in this, but it's also about your transformation through this process. Right now, everything just seems like a certification. It's less an experience, but mm-hmm. it's about like you know the knowledge and skills, and that's obviously still very important in like in person learning. But um, there's much more than that, and um, usually, I think most people would agree that the knowledge you learn in college, I, like it would be great if you can like use ten percent of them like at later stage of your mm-hmm. career and. And I, I see the assessment of knowledge really as the process instead of like the end product. I don't think that's the most important part of the college. It's not the knowledge themselves, but like the challenges and what you like meet through the process. So academically speaking, I don't think the new students are missing that much, but mm-hmm. it's interactions. You, mm-hmm. You're never going to walk on the campus and see, hey, Hey, nice to see you again. Like we just met last time. Like you don't, you just don't meet people, 
and yeah. you don't interact with him and magical things happens when you have collaboration between different individuals right mm -hmm. um obviously the student clubs are still running um we are still having some online meetings and we're trying to uh, recreate it through an online process we're trying to host events but events just become like so uh, everything just looks like the same you have the different lectures or like you have panels on zoom and you have breakout rooms that's about it yeah. so like yeah. on yeah. in person there's so many like diversities you're just missing yeah. all of that yeah the physical act of what you right. are doing when you're going to a social outing or to a lecture is exactly the same you're walking mm -hmm. to this chair sitting down or maybe standing oh, definitely. on zoom putting on your headphone and kind of watching a video mm -hmm. a screen mm -hmm. um that makes sense so how do you quantify that how do you how do we say I, or maybe not even quantify it. How do, if, if this is going to go on for a while, I mean, I guess maybe we're just all hoping it's not going to go on for a while. Right. If it does go on, <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I, there's a part of me that feels like maybe, and I don't feel, I don't even feel, I guess I don't necessarily feel this is doom and gloom. I feel like it's an opportunity, but mm -hmm. it's like the opportunity is if this is going to go on for a while, how are we able to, what what is the impact of that going to be? And I guess what I really want you to get to a little bit here, I'm curious, is mm -hmm. how do you think this will change your job prospects? Oh, how do you think this will change your preparation? Uh, you know, um, for uh, you know careers or for work or even for being a member of a community mm -hmm. or being a member of a of a of a of a you know your your wherever you end decide to end up in life and live. Um, mm -hmm. that, do you, do you see any impacts to that? Have you, or are, or are, maybe you're not thinking about this. I don't know. I'm curious, is that further ahead than you're thinking um, or is this popping in your mind? Well, I've been recently searching for summer internships for next year. And I think this is a very important question. I think the biggest impact is going to be, is that the, let's say the prestigeness of certain top call universities is going to be less prominent. Usually. <laughs> I don't think the prestigeness is necessarily 100% about the academic knowledge. Like, instructors across the country probably will be teaching the same content for an introductory, let's say, economics class. I don't think it's knowledge itself that makes a difference. It's more about the social impact between instructors and students, the interactions between students and students. That makes a difference. But since we're moving online, that I think we are going to be missing a lot. And so even though I would say like, I, I know lots of students are looking for the prestigeness of their education, but I don't think that's going to be as prominent in the future, at least if we are still doing online learning. Hmm. Um, hmm. But looking at job application, the preparation for for future careers um i don't know it really has to depend on different employers and the format of careers definitely have to change if you you cannot have in-person uh working environments that's right definitely going to have a huge impact on the industries right right yeah for sure for sure um so i'd I'd be irresponsible um, <laughs> if I didn't bring up uh, the fact that you're from China and uh -huh. you're in the U.S. and we didn't take a little time to talk for our American audience and maybe about, uh, or for at least some of our, we have we have I have I have a very strange set of listeners, but they are from all over. But right. I do, but I'd love to hear. But I but I'd love oh, for you to give a little bit of a to, and to dear listeners. A you have not been rating this podcast. I'm the only one rated five star for this. <laughs> yeah, no, we got to do that. That's I, I ask every time people just listen um i do see listeners of data so it's kind of it's fascinating there's way mm -hmm. too much data but it's actually really interesting to watch yeah. exactly who listens and when yeah. um and where they are it's really interesting but um the uh but talk a little bit about the um uh uh you know you're 
what it's like being at the intersection of U.S. China relations right oh. now, you know, with the whatever you want to call it in the middle of the election and uh -huh. the, mm -hmm. of the pandemic, all of it. Just g g give, give a little bit of the lay of the land. What do you what's what's on your mind and what do you um, what you know, what are you noticing? Well, I think the U.S. China relationship has impact my last eight, six months. Um, mm -hmm. If it is not for that, the U.S. government is restricting the entry of Chinese citizens. I probably would go, choose to go back in March, right? Um, but, and then come back whenever right, right, campus opened up again, right? And that's definitely going to have an impact on the future of U.S. education. You have lots of university receiving tuitions from international students, and I don't see. I don't see American university as um, very attractive to lots of international students from China at this point. Yeah, obviously we still have to look at the elections, and that's going to play a huge impact in this field. Which, as right, because it'll decide things. Right, but right now I don't. I, I think like less student, fewer students are going to come to us for education if the relations just keeps the same. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk a little bit about what your um, what, what you what you're expecting your experience will be like long term. I mean, are you are you are you open to like when you graduate living anywhere in the world? Yeah, and that do was the my kind plan. of work you want to do. So, and well, so what are so what's your what's kind of your uh, what 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 appeals to you most, or what do you think is what do you think that the the education you're getting now, whether online or if it ends up being face to face, face to face, what do you think that's going to do for you? Um, I, I think it's it's a very interesting topic in the sense that online online learning kind of kind of impacts the future career, but it kind of but like the career industries are kind of staying the same. Um, I don't see a direct impact between my online learning and looking for jobs because no matter what happens, companies are still going to look for new workers. Um, yep. but. Yep. Um, but the online learning or like the cause of it, the COVID, that's definitely playing a different, uh, playing a role in the recruitment process. Lots of companies might not be seeking expansions, and but some are still aren't. Like the you know, the huge tech companies, they're having a huge boom right now. So yeah. that's going to be a different, and it's obviously going to impact students based on their majors and field of study. Um, as for now, for me, um, the hugest impact for me is, I would say, is the U.S.-China relationship, um, and especially the U.S. immigration regulations. Sure. Just whether um, you can get in and out as, right, as right. you need to. Right. Yep, right. And it's painful to see that people cannot travel anymore, and yep. I, I really don't see myself as... Uh, I want to get out of somewhere or I want to work somewhere. It's really about like where it can provide me with the best opportunities. And right now I don't, I don't see that happening. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Last question. So uh, let's say on January 1st, you've had the vaccine. It's mm -hmm. a, it's a massively successful vaccine uh -huh. and, and everything is opened up again. What's the first thing you're going to do that you can't do now? Huh? That is a huge question. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to talk about. There's like so many things I miss and I can't really pick one. That's a big, right, huge do a one. few of them. Give me a couple. Oh, I definitely want to go back to campus. I want to see all the people I know, those I love talking to. Um, yeah. I definitely want to want to go to some restaurant. I haven't been, uh, frankly yep. speaking, I haven't been out of the house for like, yeah, several months. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You're not alone, right? I get it. Just right. be out, be out in right. the world, restaurants. Yeah, and just socialize. Yeah, I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. But that's great. Well, hopefully those we, are all. Oh, mm -hmm. Go ahead. Even if we have the vaccine, I still see um, so many things will remain unchanged for like a long period of time. Uh, yeah. Especially if we are talking about the international traveling. Um, I don't really see it changing, even if. 
we have the vaccine. Well, I think the distance learning part that we're talking about now in particular, I think is, is I think it's very interesting. You're saying that that's not going to go back, even if there was a vaccine and right. people, things opened up, it won't right. go back. And, and, you know, I do think that that's in some ways been a long time coming in the sense that there are a lot of things that online does better than face-to-face, like way better in terms mm-hmm. of just, you know, what you can get and how you can, I mean, I you know, I mean, being able to watch a video again or get more, help uh-huh. or, you know, do things asynchronously when you're in the mood to do it, as opposed to when the, you know, whatever it's, when it's offered, you know, mm-hmm. in a real face-to-face experience, those things are, those things have, va- have real value. So, yeah. um, uh, the, um, yeah, that, that, that's a, that, that'll, I think that'll be a, that'll be a big impact. That's going to be, um, felt for a long time and maybe in some ways it's better but you know there's definitely got to be a balance that's found Mm -hmm. we're nowhere we're nowhere near the balance right now (laughs) we're definitely out of balance so um well Edward, i cannot thank you enough for doing this this is super fun um Um, any parting thoughts before i uh before i send us on our way well um well learning online is definitely tough um i hope that one day we can still go back to traditional learning, even though I see that learning online has definitely will change our future educational, let's say, styles or structures. But I definitely hope that I will go back. I will um, receive more social interactions. And, and yeah, that's, that's my yeah biggest yeah, hope. yeah here here i'm with you too i'm in the same boat that's great well thanks for doing this and uh we'll we'll talk soon thank you very much i want to thank my guests thank everybody for listening i'd like to thank mary heinz for doing the editing ted enley for doing the music that starts and ends the podcast and i'd like to thank you for listening if you have any ideas for the podcast i am just getting going and would love to hear feedback from you if you would like to reach out to me i'm easily available on twitter on the website secondrail.com and you can certainly email me as well at johnheinz at gmail.com i hope you will join me again in a fortnight for more conversation about education and where it's going